0: You can have your own way, but don't think that you can come and worship me like the old times when your heart isn't even right. That, that's the summary of what we're going to look at tonight. Have it your way. Um, in fact, that's when I think of that, I think of an old jingle and an, and an old uh, Burger King commercial. Uh, have it your way. In fact, in 1974 is when they rolled out that slogan, uh, have it your way. It was It was a way to compete with McDonald's. And that's been, you know, their, uh, it's been their, their song, their, their motto, have it your way at Burger King until last month and they've updated it. And it's, now they haven't thrown out that theme. In fact, I want to read to you a marketing blurb from their new tagline. And instead of have it your way, the new challenge is you rule. And, and just apparently last month, they might have a new jingle with it, but here's, here's what the, the, the blurb said that they, published Um, you rule which is described as an emotional articulation that puts customers at the forefront of every touchpoint as part of the updated brand message Burger King is releasing a new commercial that puts a hip-hop spin on the have it your way jingle from the 1970s the campaign will roll out nationwide starting October 10th back back then so isn't that interesting you know their motto was have it your way and now They've kind of gone one step. You rule. Well, you know what? It's like Jeremiah is saying, it's like God saying to the Jews, all right, have it your way. Because they really did want, they wanted control of their lives. And so let's jump in. We already looked at verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? Again, God's goodness, he's saying, would you just walk in my path and you'll, be, you'll find rest for your souls. That's what God wants for His people. He wanted it then and He wants it now. And the only way for the Jews to get it was through Yahweh, through walking with the Lord, relationship with Him. And now the only way that you and I can have peace is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now verse 17... So, it was three things we're going to see briefly tonight. First is God's way. That's what we've been looking at. Then, verses 18 and 19 is our way. And then, verses 20 and 21 is the results, the fruit of stubbornness. So, now look at verse um, 17. Again, God says, Also, I set a watchman over you, saying, Hearken to the sound of the trumpet. So, God says, Look in the old paths, follow the old way. You'll find rest for your soul. What did they say? They said, We will not walk there. And We're not going down that path. Now God says, I set over you a watchman because I care for your safety. Hearken to the sound of the trumpet. He just wants his people to, to, to have peace and safety. And now he wants his people to have safety. And what do they say? Look at verse 17. But they said, We will not hearken. You see, they wanted things their way. They did not want God's way. They did not think God's way was best. They were already warned, even before they went into Canaan, that they should not be enticed by the the false gods and the idols of the Canaanites. And that's exactly what happened. They got dissatisfied with walking with the true God. They got dissatisfied with the one who had shown himself so true and faithful to them, and they looked around and said, "We want what they have." Verse 17 again, also I said a watchman over you saying, "Hearken to the sound of the trumpet, but they said, "We will not hearken. It is sad that God has plans for our lives, and he offers He offers us safety to just have a relationship with Jesus Christ, to to know Him. You know, what did Jesus say? Learn of me, I'm meek. Take my yoke upon, upon you, I'm meek and lowly. Learn of me, you'll find rest for your souls. Folks, that is an open invitation that is legitimate today. Many of you have found that peace in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And yet there are so many souls... The same is true when Jesus, you might remember, was out walking about. He looked at the multitude and he was, he was moved with compassion because He saw them as sheep scattered and without a shepherd. They didn't have rest for their souls. And I don't know about you, if you've been looking around you, looking at the people you work with, your neighbors, the people all around. People are, they're just, they're lost. There's people that are just, they're so sad. They they don't have peace. They don't have rest in their souls. And many of them have simply not even considered or just dismissed the fact that God is real and wants to have a real relationship with them. And how very sad it is. Now look at verse 18. Now we see our way. God said, you know, here's my way. The old paths, walk in it. The watchmen, I'm sending people because I care about your safety. There's dangers out there, and I care about you. I'm going to send prophets, and they're going to warn you. And you said, we're not going to listen to them. Mm -hmm. Therefore, verse 18, because of that, because you've been so stubborn, therefore ye nations, oh no, oh congregation, what is among them? That's kind of an odd statement, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's a hard statement. What is among them? And, and translators have wrestled with this statement. Uh, in fact, the Coverdale, you might remember that William Tyndale was the first one that translated uh, the, the, um, into English from the original languages. And unfortunately, he was martyred before he got to finish. He finished the New Testament. He did a bunch of the Old Testament, but he didn't get to finish it. So one of his students then took it on. And then we have after that the Coverdale Bible and then uh, the Bishop's Bible were two of the early English Bibles before the King James. And they translated this phrase. Look at the King James. It says, What is among them? Again, look at verse 18. Therefore hear, ye nations, and know, O congregation, what is among them? What's God asking them to do? He's obviously saying, okay, all right, you, you want your own way. Okay, nations, listen and know, O congregation, what is among them? Listen to how... or Tyndale, rather, Coverdale and Bishop's Bible, here's how they translated it. What I have devised for them. And it seems to, this is where it's flowing, because the statement, what is among them, is kind of a broad, you think, okay, that could be interpreted various ways. You want to look at the context, and and that translation from the Bishop's Bible and from Coverdale seems to fit with the context when you look at verse 19. Hear, O earth, behold, I will bring evil upon this people, even the fruit of their thoughts. See that word thought? The Hebrew word has the idea, and this, this is it's translated thoughts a bunch of times, it's also translated devices, or the idea is their schemes, or their imaginations. So here's what's happening. God is saying in verse 18, I am going to let you know what I have planned for them. And I will bring evil upon this people, verse 19, even the fruit of their thoughts, their imaginations, their devices. In other words, he's been telling them, here's what I want for you. I want my way for you where you can be blessed. I want to bless you. I want my way for you where you're aware of the dangers. I want you to be aware of the dangers. They said, we don't want your way. We want our way. And now God says, okay, you're following your own plans, your own devices. You got, you've got your lives in control. He says, okay, I am going to... Um, again, I am going to give you... Look at verse 14. I will punish you according to the fruit of your doings. Again, uh, even the fruit of their thoughts. A couple quick verses in Proverbs. Just want to remind you that the Bible says so much about these, these um, thoughts... The imaginations, the devices. Proverbs sixteen nine says this: A man's heart deviseth his way. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. In other words, we have we have our minds. We have God has given us a will to think through things. We have desires, we have plans, and, and the Bible says the prudent man foresees the evil and and hides himself. In other words, we need to plan ahead. We need to do that. But we also need to consider that God has a plan for us. Proverbs nineteen twenty one. There are many devices, and that is the idea of plans, schemes. There's many devices in man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. So you've, you've got in the Bible the, this battle between what we want and what we anticipate and what God wants. Give me an example that came to my mind. Remember uh, Naaman, the captain of the Syrian guard, going back now we're going to the time of um, in uh, th- th- where was it? In 2 Kings chapter five, and Naaman became a leper and uh, he just he, did, he was at wits end. He did not want to be a leper. It really just totally hindered what he had for his life. and it, it ended up that there was a servant girl from Israel that was working for him and said, you know what, there's a prophet in Israel. Uh, And anyway, he found out about this prophet in Israel. And you might remember that Naaman went to this prophet, which was Elisha, and he had had the devices in a man's heart. He already had it figured out that Elijah was going to act a certain way because he was, after all, the captain of the Syrian guard. That is an esteemed position if you're a Syrian. I mean... I imagine that the the Syrian people gave him the the regard that this is a captain in our army, this is a soldier, this this is somebody that we need to really show respect for. And so he was very proud and he was used to people bowing before him and using terms of respect. And so he already had it figured out that when Elisha found out that the captain of the Syrian army was there at his front door, he was going to do certain things. He's going to come running down and find out what's wrong and heal him and and with these great plans he had it all figured out in his mind. Just like Israel, just like the Jews had it all figured out and this little pesky person called Jeremiah is coming along and telling them that, that what they're planning and what they want and their desires are all wrong and God has a different plan for them. And they weren't interested in it. Hey, we... We're we're doing quite well on our own. We got our plans. We know how things are going to go. And it only gets worse as the book of Jeremiah unfolds. So what happens with Naaman? Because of his expectations. He already had it figured out. All his plans and his schemes and his devices were all built on his own ego. And guess what Elisha did not do? Any of what he expected. He didn't even even have the decency to answer the door himself. He sent his servant. And when the servant came, he gave him instructions to go wash, not in one of the great Syrian rivers, which he expected because Syria was superior to Israel in his mind. He was insulted. Not only does Elisha not come to the door and show me the respect that is due to me, But this loser even tells me to go and watch in one of Israel's rivers. He was furious. And he was so insulted that he stormed off and he was ready to just drop the whole idea. And somebody suggested to him, why don't you just try what Elisha said? He was this close to being a leper for the rest of his life. And his pride would have gotten in the way. But somebody convinced him and he thought, well, what do I have to lose? And he humbled himself, he went down to the Jordan, the river, washed himself, and he was healed. Amazing. But you know what? Um, our plans aren't always God's plans. I want to challenge you with, with this. Uh, as many of you know, I love, love, love reading the life of George Mueller. Uh, He was a man that walked by faith and God answered so many prayers. And and God used him to be a blessing to so many orphans. Uh, He took care of them, just walking by faith. And somebody went up to him and um, asked him, because he clearly had power in his life. He had the power of God in his life. So many testimonies, his journals are now published and so many miraculous answers to prayer. If you want your faith boosted, you read the works of George Mueller, uh, where they were—you know—he he was. It wasn't. It wasn't just him. Wasn't just his family he had to take care of the needs of. He had to take care of hundreds of orphans, feed them, and and sometimes he didn't have a two pennies to rub together, and he would pray, and I mean this was like a common thing where God would miraculously answer prayers for him, and so people held George Mueller in esteem. And a man asked him one time, what is the secret of your service? What, what makes you... Why does God bless you so? What's the secret? Here's what he said. He said, there was a day when I died. Utterly died. I died to George Mueller. His opinions, preferences, tastes, and will... Died to the world, its approval or censure, died to the, to the approval or blame, even of my brethren and friends. And since then, I have studied to show myself approved only to God. That is so awesome. I want to read that again because I'm convinced, folks, that we need to be in that spot. And that's that's something Israel wasn't willing to come to. They were not willing to come to an end of themselves. They had their way. They wanted their way. They gave lip service to God and wondered why God wasn't bowing to their every will. Listen to this again. What is the secret of George Mueller's service? He said, There was a day when I died, utterly died. I died to George Mueller, his opinions, preferences, tastes, and will. I died to the world, its approval or censure. I died to the approval or blame even of my brethren and friends. And since then I have studied to show myself approved only to God. The word study in, Peter, or in Timothy, study to show thyself approved, is not the way we use study today. That's one of those old English words. The idea of the Greek word literally is to, to put energy into, work hard to show yourself approved unto God. And that's what we need to do. That's what George Mueller did. But he wouldn't have done it if he didn't come to the end of himself, there's still a lot of Christians that are wrestling with God, and they're like Judah, they're like I I, I want I want my cake, and I want to eat it too. That's that's a saying we use today, you know, um, that that they want their way, and and God said okay, He said have it your way, and He didn't even sing the jingle. He just said have it your way. Now look at verse twenty. Jeremiah six and verse twenty. To what purpose? Now, So what he's saying is, okay, you want to have it your way, fine. But don't come to me acting like you're worshiping me when you're doing your own thing. Look at verse 20. To what purpose cometh there to me incense from Sheba? Frankincense, incense, which was used in their worship. Uh, That was where they got it from. Uh, And it was part of their required sacrifice. He's saying, "Why, why are you even doing that? And the sweet cane. And he's not talking about sugarcane. Sweet cane, uh, there's another word I forget. I didn't write it down. But the ingredient, it's the ingredient they, they would add to their oil for their worship. In fact, the Greek uh, version of the Old Testament uses the word cinnamon. It might have been like that, but it was something they would add to their oil for worship. So, God is using these things and saying, why are you bringing these, these things to me? Again, to what purpose cometh there to me incense from Sheba? And the sweet cane from a far country... Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor your sacrifices sweet unto me. See, they were still going through the worship. They were going through the motions of serving the Lord. They were giving lip service. In fact, Jesus articulated it very clearly. He said in Matthew 15 and verse 7, Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Now I have all these verses I won't read tonight, but uh, Isaiah chapter 1, verses 12 through 15, uh, 16. He really goes off on this same idea. What are you doing coming to worship me when your heart isn't even with me? Zechariah 7, 5, same thing. Amos chapter 5, verses 21 and 24. God is saying, I'm done with it. I've had it. Away with it. Your worship. It's so hypocritical. You want things your way? Have it your way. But don't come to me and act like you're worshipping me and obedient. You are in rebellion. And because of that, verse 21, Therefore thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will lay stumbling blocks before this people, and the fathers and the sons together shall fall upon them, the neighbor and his friend shall perish. What a sad thing. They would not die to themselves. And so, they were predicting their own future. The fruit of their devices, the fruit of their thoughts, the fruit of their plans. It was going to come to fruition. They were going to, they were going to get to experience it. New Testament has a similar principle. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And there's so many people today that really are reaping what they've sown, and they can't figure it out. They, why am I going through this? And they're not they're not walking with God. They're not walking in his ways. And, and Judah, as we see, and we're going to continue to see, they just were they were flamuxed. They were puzzled. They were stunned that why would God not accept our worship? Like He should appreciate anything we do for Him. And they didn't realize that they had forsaken. Almighty God. I close with this. I read a cute story. Uh, I love little kids, as you know, and um, had a couple. Now they're not little anymore. Um, but there's a guy named Alexander Sanders. He was once uh, the chief judge of the South Carolina Court of Appeals. And he would be speaking in 1992. This is when we start the church quite a while ago. Uh, that year, he would speak to the graduating class of the University of South Carolina. And um, his daughter, Zoe, was in that graduating class. And uh, probably she was just as, uh, I don't know if he cleared it ahead of time, but my kids really love when I mention them in illustrations. Uh, They do not. And I imagine that Zoe felt the same way, but he shared a story about when Zoe was three years old. And he said that when Zoe was three years old, he came home one day from work and uh, Zoe was in tears because her pet turtle had died. And she was devastated. And of course, he walks in the door and his, his wife says, uh, Zoe's turtle died. She's bawling. She's in tears. You handle it. Welcome home. you know." Mm-hmm. And uh, so he goes and he explains to his daughter, he's a little three-year-old, just devastated. He says, listen, honey, we'll go to the store and get you another turtle. Now, you, you can't... This one, her pet turtle could not be replaced she didn't want any. She, that was not acceptable and so she kept bawling her eyes out and he's like okay that didn't work he said I'll tell you what we'll have a funeral and she had no idea what a funeral was I said, what's a funeral and, and he said well, you know it's like a, it's like a festival we will honor the life of your turtle what's a festival he said it's like a birthday party we're gonna have cake and ice cream we're going to celebrate. We're going to talk about and We'll celebrate the life of your turtle. And she thought about it for a little while. And that was acceptable. And she was, She very soon, she stopped crying. And she was very happy. And all of a sudden, something totally unexpected happened. They looked down and the turtle started to move. And the dad was like, I don't know what to do now. He didn't know what to do. And his daughter, in the innocence of a three-year-old, looked up and said, Daddy, can we kill it? <laughs> you know, she's like, she was all accepted. She'd finally accepted, you know, the idea of the death of this turtle. And she was, she was now in her mind peaceful with that. And now the turtle comes back to life. So she's, she's, all of a sudden, she's like, can we kill it? Well, you know what? Here, Israel, they had their own plans and, and like George Miller said, they, they were not dying to themselves. George Miller, the day of victory was when he died to himself. And all of a sudden he said, my purpose, I only want to, to be to win the approval of Jesus Christ. I don't care about my friend's approval or disapproval. I don't care about the approval or the dis. I died to self. My plans moved over. God's plans took place. You know what? That's what we need to do. That's what Judah needed to do and they would never get to that point. Now, I'm sorry to disclose to you the end of the story, but I've read through the book of Jeremiah. I know how it ends and it doesn't end well. But there are so many lessons and the amazing thing is, is that as I mentioned before, Jeremiah's life extended for so long. His ministry was the last chance, opportunity for the Jews to come back to the Lord. And if they did, they would have found rest for their souls. They would have found safety in hearkening to the prophet of God and God's statutes and precepts. And instead, they choose, they chose suffering, punishment, and captivity. And so for for 70 some years, they would just long to be back in Israel. And that was their lesson. And so today, so many Christians are having to learn through discipline, through chastisement, because they're not dying to themselves. And they think, I've got a better way. And God says, okay, have your own way, but it's not as blessed. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your way. Father, your way truly is the best. Your way is truly awesome. And uh, forgive us for our stubbornness. And uh, you are so gracious with us in long-suffering. And sometimes it takes us so long to come to our own wit's end and realize that our way is not best, but your way is. So, Lord, help us. Help us to learn your way, which, of course, now means Jesus Christ. Help us to have that relationship with Jesus, to walk with Him, and to understand what He meant by take my yoke upon me uh, and you will find rest for your souls, I pray. That people would come to Jesus and find rest for their souls. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.